and on the DJ podcast this month, John and Kate talk about learning technologies at Learning Technologies, and then John and Joe catch up on the magazine and the webinars from the f- last few weeks. Just a quick note to say that the name of the philosopher, which I screw up, is Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, obviously. He's Hungarian-American and not Czech, as, uh, as I say, so apologies for that. Also, there's a slight lag on the audio towards the end of the section with me and Joe. And one last thing, there's no guest interview this month, but there is a lot of content coming up on our SoundCloud page from recent interviews at the events we've been. So keep an eye out and enjoy. First up, here's me and Kate. So here we are on day one of Learning Technologies. New year, a new venue, new ideas, Kate Graham? Well... It's early days. We're only pre-lunch on day one. Um, we've had the keynote and then I've been down to spend some time uh, in the exhibition. So interesting. That's what people are looking for. So I've just been chatting to people on the show floor and people are here to see what's new. So new ideas, new providers, new solutions. I think it's early days in terms of being able to tell kind of what people are bringing. Um, I spoke to some vendors before the show who are making like product you know roadmap announcements and they've got some really good things happening how much of that will trickle through at the show is always interesting to see um, there's obviously it's a there's a lot of noise there's a lot of hype so yeah it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that cuts through but you know in theory there should be some good stuff yeah uh the, i'm very impressed with the exhibition space actually uh, olympia i've got a soft spot for olympia but uh, it was definitely being outgrown it was very uh, claustrophobic and hectic and there's a great there's huge areas to kind of break out, meet people. There's loads and loads of new vendors, like you say. I haven't managed to get around uh, the whole site yet, but there's certainly a lot of new faces and a lot of new companies, which is really interesting. It just feels like there's a lot more air. You know, there's a lot more air to breathe. The ceiling's much higher. It just feels a lot more modern. Anybody that has been to Olympia before will know the catering options are not the best. So you've got a lot more options here. And there's just some, like, quiet areas, like, where we're doing this now. So slamming door in the background. Um, and so it, feel, it just feel a lot more modern. I mean, we were talking about the keynote was in a very big hall with cabaret tables. But you said you kind of missed the amphitheatre. I do. I don't know whether this is just me being nostalgic, but uh, I did quite like the tiered seating of, of that in terms of, especially if you're, say, doing a lot of tweeting and you want to get a decent picture of the stage. Uh, what I'm basically saying is I was late and I had to stand at the back. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but the content was good. It was, it, was, um, it was slightly different in that there wasn't very much mention of technology, but I mean, I guess that's often the case and you focus more on kind of the, the people aspect of things. What did you think of Marsha Connor's uh, keynote. I think, yeah, different, as you say. I think the main thing for me was she was talking about, um, I guess, it's the kind of the human emotions versus obviously going into this age of automation. And she was talking a lot about work and what makes you feel, you know, what do you feel? And Shonda Rhimes, who writes um, various TV shows in the States, she talks about when she writes, she talks about having the hum. And if she's really in a rhythm and she's really focused and she's really concentrating and loving what she's doing, she talks about the hum and she hates it if that gets interrupted. And actually, I know how she feels. There's a kind of buzz and a rhythm to when you're in really into the flow of what you're doing. And that kind of resonated with me from last year. So, and, you know, I guess everybody should ideally have that in their in their job. And I guess, you know, if you're extrapolating some sort of L&D angle, can we provide other people with that in their, either in the flow of their work or in a kind of more formal environment, can we give people that that buzz, that that feeling? Because I'm fairly certain a lot of stuff, a lot of content does not do that. <laughs> True. 
true. Spark the joy, as Marie Kondo would say. Spark, yeah, Marie Kondo, everywhere. I've not succumbed to that yet, but maybe No, me soon. neither. <laughs> but, but yes, it, it, it is about environment. It's about creating that atmosphere where you do you can get into flow. I've forgotten his name, but I think some Czech philosopher did a lot of work on the idea of flow. I'll come. I'll, I'll edit in. I'll edit in his name, but it's very, very interesting. Well, this is predominantly a news section, or supposed to be. So, so what's going on? Any mergers, acquisitions, or anything interesting that Fosway have been doing? Uh, we've. This is a massive peak for us on the learning side. So we have um, the Fosway Nine Grids, um, which are released annually for learning systems and digital learning. So basically, a snapshot of the market, um, and which providers are doing what. So. Um, uh, it's based on five points of data, so total cost of ownership, potential, performance, and um, market size. So it's just a graphical representation of where we see them. It's really interesting because people think that kind of the top right is the place to be because everyone's used to looking at Gartner quadrants, but that isn't. Uh, everyone's not on their relative to everybody else. It's based on their own performance and their own growth. And the reports that go with them talk about the market and solution trends, and that's actually the interesting bit. So, it's, you know, it's kind of graphically, it's very sort of great to be able to take that snapshot, but actually the interesting stuff around, you know, where the NGLEs and LMSs are going and what's happening with digital content, that's all the interesting stuff that's in the reports. And a lot of people just look at the front cover and don't get that far. So I would urge anybody to, to look at that. And I didn't write them, so, you know, my, my clever colleagues did. And then the other thing we've got going on is we're midway through the digital learning realities research that we do with the guys at Learning Technologies. So we've just shared some interim results because it's not closed yet. So we'll probably share those with TJ once they're fully released. But, you know, some interesting stuff. I mean, everybody, you know, you've got a million and one platform providers downstairs. But, you know, when we ask, do you think your current learning providers are fit for the modern workforce? Half the respondents are saying no. 16% are saying don't know. So that's not exactly positive. And you just kind of look at this stuff. You know, you asked me earlier, what's new? Is there enough new? Are people really thinking about what people need? Um, And I still think there's that gap between how corporate software works and personal you know apps and everything works in your everyday life and there is still that massive gap in a lot of cases you know I mean my husband just tried to he's been applying for jobs got a job thankfully um and after 22 years in the RAF and he had he had to use some portals to apply for the and they're just shocking half of them don't even work on mobile and and you're just like I mean how is that possible so when we say fit for the modern workforce we're not even talking like really wizzy. We're talking some kind of basic stuff. So I think that's really interesting. I mean, the the, the full results will come out soon. Um, and if you want to take part, go to fosbay.com and you get a copy of the results. But uh, yeah, there's some, some useful data coming out of that, I think. I'm just looking at it here and uh, 14%, only 14% of organisations say they effectively measure the impact of digital learning. That is not great. Not great. And we've we've just done some other research actually that that's going live I think today and that talks a lot about yeah how do you look at the impact and how do you and we we, we asked her um, some free text questions and I was like oh I don't know about putting in the free text questions and our director of research was like no you'll get some really interesting stuff out of them and when asked about um, you know how they measure the impact of learning people are like terribly badly painfully. The, the quote of the, the whole thing of these you know, few hundred quotes was metrics that don't matter. And I think it's really interesting because, again, what was talked about in the keynote was the importance of data and analytics. So, I mean, Don Taylor's Global Sentiment Survey is just about to publish that all, it's all data related, all the top three. And 
you know, but metrics that don't matter. We're we're still tracking completions, bums on seats, and actually, you know, we need the good data in order to do some of this stuff around predictive analytics and and that kind of thing. Or bums on seats isn't going to help with any of that. So I think that metrics that don't matter is just really stuck in my mind. Yeah, I think it's also important that the people who come to these uh, conferences, and it's always great to see people you know, but equally to see a load of people you don't know that are kind of now getting involved with learning and learning technologies. But the people who talk at these conferences are very, very far ahead of the curve. And sometimes you forget that it isn't the reality for a lot of companies. And hopefully you'll see trends in what you're doing where gradually people are getting better and better at measuring the right things and and impact and stuff. But it's unfortunately... Uh, and I think, so yeah, bad. and I think it's, I mean, that's the point of this research, the digital learning realities, is that it's like, it's not about the hype, it's not about what's next, it's all what's hot, you know, which is like the the Donald Taylor uh, GSS survey. This is about what's happening now, And but I think also it's not enough to beat L&D around the head and go, you're not measuring very effectively. It's like, okay, we're not measuring effectively and awareness is the first step, but then how do we do that? What should we be measuring? What should we be tracking? Um, and I think that's, there's a gap there sometimes well lots of work to do lots to think about before we go one final thing it was the learning awards last week how was it oh it was fabulous i mean it's just such a i always think about you know the the entrance and this kind of road to the dorchester and it's just i mean just some of the reactions of people winning genuinely it sounds really cheesy and cliche but genuinely they are just so delighted and I mean I was fortunate enough to to judge the startup category some really exciting I mean it's a VR um, solution that won it some really exciting things coming through and it's just that moment of just celebrating the stuff that's good so like you say some of this is a bit you know some of the research and stats is a bit dour but actually there are some pockets of greatness out there so for me it's about how do we share those stories and elevate that stuff so that others can follow indeed indeed well done to pauline and paul at the lpi absolutely okay time to talk about this month's magazine and once again we welcome joe cook how are you i am fabulous well if i'm honest a bit tired after learning technologies (laughs) but good otherwise yes should we uh before well it it sort of comes as a uh part of the chat about the magazine but um maybe we'll come on to learning technologies in a bit but this month the cover star is one of the speakers from learning technologies 2019 rachel hutchinson who is based in the states and but works for a company called hilti the subject of this month's magazine is storytelling art and music in learning which also ties very nicely into the webinars which we will come on to later as well the, the quote that I pulled out from Don Taylor's piece, which I thought was great, was uh, too often, however, we want to, when we want to change something at work, things are less obvious. The silent objection, the complicated process and the non-compliant software package remain stubbornly unseen until they emerge and derail our carefully laid plans of change. The only way to avoid these complications is to take time in advance to explore things in detail, often going over the same ground repeatedly with people to uncover mistakes, assumptions and identify where hidden concerns lie. And then he talks about um, a bit of Japanese philosophy, as always. Joe, what did you think of Don's piece this month? Loved it. All about the change of location for the Learning Technologies Conference and Exhibition. And when you've been somewhere for, what was it, 17 years running something, as Don says, you know it inside out. And I really like that point about every detail. Uh, and I've been working, or we've both been working on all sorts of projects, and you think it will take this long. And there's all of these tiny, intricate details that pop up 
and you think, oh, well, that will be quick to fix. Half a day later, you're still working on it. And I think that's the kind of thing that we need to try and work through with projects. Absolutely. And as always, on the back of Don's piece is Cook Looks. Joe, what did Cook look at this month? Cook looks at storytelling and I think we can all be storytellers in our family we're well known for our long exaggerated deliveries of stories and enjoying being centre of attention but actually it's all about can you give just a couple of sentences as an example can you give something that just gives an insight to a theory or encourage people in your learning and development offerings to do their stories and share those and if they're closer to the customer or the business to get that information so it's having a look at that really yes so the subject of the magazine this month is storytelling uh, and various other aspects of the arts as well but also we're taking in pieces about change uh, Rohit Tawa from Fast Future talks about change and uh, a good quote I pulled out from his piece as well situational analysis uh, basically the whole piece is about uh, Brexit and what we can learn from uh, the <clears throat> processes uh, that have been going on there Situational analysis. Transformational change requires us to understand how the world around us is evolving, the forces that will shape the near, medium and longer term, and the complexities of all the elements we will need to engage with and uncouple from as part of the process. So I think that's that sums up that quite nicely. Mm, I really... I really like the pull quote we have from his article, which he says, Brexit is a classic example of a project without a defining vision we can all align to. But my very first thought when I read that was something like Brexit and political landscapes in other countries as well have their own versions of this. By its very nature, it's a dichotomy. So it's how you bring people who voted against something round to, well, this is what the country overall voted for or what the organisation overall is going for because the CEO has decided to. And how do you bring those people around? That's the fascinating bit for me. Yes, definitely. And um, whilst we do try to keep things apolitical here at TJ, uh, Brexit is something that we I've started to cover more and more as we approach 29th of March, and there are more pieces cropping up online, as you'll see, about that. To keep on a slightly political theme, Tom Brown from Dodds Training uh, publishes his second piece in our column called Gateway to Government. But he, oddly enough, doesn't talk about Brexit too much. He talks about a storytelling experience of his own. So yes, despite the, uh, despite the theme this month being storytelling, arts, music and learning. We've also got a lot of pieces about change and obviously that ties in with Brexit quite well. Uh, there's a piece also from Alison Sutherland and uh, from Rada and Business. Uh, a really, really good quote from her. The outcome of this is talking about how you can apply acting uh, to learning. She says, the actors are the ultimate communicators. The outcomes of such applied acting techniques in the workplace vary from individuals successfully negotiating pay rises as a result of clear and con confident communication in one-to-one -one appraisal meetings to refining and mastering their presentation styles and generally impacting and impressing senior professionals in business by learning to hold their space. Joe, what do you think about that? Yeah, really interesting about bringing together those different skills. Um, for my sins, and I'm going to blame this firmly on my other half, we've been watching Dancing on Ice. And there's an actress on there, one of the actresses from Coronation Street, I think. And the feedback they've been giving her is, even though you're an actress, 
it's not coming out. It needs to be different. It's a different kind of acting to be that kind of bright, sparkly, theatrical, over-the-top stuff. And I think it's interesting that even somebody who is an actor had struggled to do something like that. So then if you pair that back to us mere mortals, being able to take some inspiration from that article would be a really good thing. Yes, definitely. And it also, a, and it also plays into the idea that you need to look outside your sphere to uh, to improve because often we, I guess, are quite siloed in learning and development and it's always good to uh, take influence from other areas to help in the work that you do, I think. Elsewhere, Alka Nayar's piece, uh, who is a consultant for IDG, talks about pathways to learning and it's summed up quite nicely in the paragraph. So to answer the question, can we impact learning through different media? media such as the finer arts to encourage exploration and open doors of creativity, music to create a non-stress environment and enhance cognitive skills, using humour to create joy and a sense of wonder, and of course, storytelling to foster connection and increase retention of knowledge. So something that I pulled out from the magazine this month under our skills section is all about electronics with Stuart Edmondson. When I did first see this, I thought, blimey, why is there an electronics article in TJ? It's about STEM subjects and getting ages 12 and upwards interested in electronics. But actually, it's really interesting. Two things I wanted to pull out of this. One is that the UK electronics sector is a world leader. And also engineering, the, the kind of the bigger category it's in, is over 450 billion pounds of the UK economy, which is absolutely huge. And actually, it's bigger than um, the retail, wholesale and financial and insurance sectors combined. And I didn't realise how big our engineering was in the UK. And that the whole point of this article is wrapped up at the end around CPD of the people supporting other people. And I think that continuous professional development and going back to what you were saying about being aware of other subjects and pulling on other areas areas is really important to all of us as well as this yes, specific absolutely. topic and uh, electronics as well as coding my daughter who's six years old has started learning various little bits of coding at school which seems quite young to me but I think it's very fairly sensible uh, considering the way that technology is being used in this country so yeah. that was a bit of an insight into this magazine Joe what do you need to do to subscribe if you want to subscribe to the magazine, you just go to trainingjournal.com. There are different options. You can subscribe to our printed magazine, the only L&D printed magazine available. Also, what you can do is subscribe to our digital versions. You get that online. And if you don't quite have the monies for that, you can just wait for our digital copies to be unlocked and they're all available on the website and you can also see our articles white papers webinar recordings downloads and also we have a linkedin group perfect next month i'm going to do that bit promise <laughs> as opposed to just throwing yeah. me under the bus each month <laughs> so next we come to the webinars and we had one earlier this month with stephanie barnes and doug shaw both very creative uh, people in their own right and working in L&D. The title was, How Can You Use Storytelling, Art, Music and Creativity in Learning? Joe, how did it go? I thought it was a really fascinating conversation because it brought together technical elements. So Stephanie, for instance, has a background in knowledge management and in accounting. Uh, Doug Shaw, as he said, is an L&D professional. And so it brings together a very focused 
way of looking at things, very organisational view as well, as all this creative stuff. Doug does open mic nights. Stephanie is an artist, as is Doug, and they've done all sorts of different things. Stephanie does improv and, and music improv, you know, everybody banging on desks or, or whatever it might be. And that's all stuff that a lot of us would go, oh, I can't do that. But they talked about it in such an infusing way, an inspiring way to get us to yes. try things at home. Uh, the chat was flying, wasn't it, in uh, in the chat pane at the, on that webinar. And uh, if you want to watch it, mm. uh, you can go to our YouTube channel where there's a recording of it up there. But it was it really was brilliant. And um, and I think what Doug was saying a lot of the time was that people are kind of or, well, everyone says this really is that often the person the thing holding you back is yourself that you don't want to try these things and. Um, Joe, you recently uh, took a bit of Doug's advice under your wing and uh, started uh, your painting <laughs> career. Is that right? Yeah, I'm a little bit embarrassed to talk about it in some ways, but this is this is a really good example of letting things get in the way of ourselves. So yeah, I bought some paints. Uh, I bought an easel. I bought uh, some paintbrushes. I didn't spend a lot of money because I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it or want to do it anymore. And last night I did my first painting and it looks just a tiny bit beyond uh, what a child might do. So I'm pretty happy with that. But it was, you know what, it was fun. It was de-stressing. I had an hour and a half of just concentrating on something completely different. Everybody who's seen it has given me praise. Um, I think that my inner 10-year-old is very happy about that. And you know what, I can't wait to go and do something else. I'm just, I'm just as you were talking, yeah. I just remembered something else that Doug said from the webinar, actually, which was about creating something to destroy it. And I know that sounds a bit odd, but I think the, the rationale behind it was that yeah. a lot of people get hung up on not starting something because they think it will be perfect when what you need to do is just get started and don't mm. worry about it. So if you set out with the idea, if, yeah, if you start yeah. with the, 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 um, the, the aim of getting rid of something and then it do doesn't matter how bad or good it is, then it kind of takes the pressure off from you starting, I think. Exactly. So I, th I think his phrase exactly was draw for the bin. And and that's kind of what I did. I did my first painting on just a piece of paper from the printer. So it's not the right paper at all. Um, and I thought, well, it's it's something I'm going to throw away. So it doesn't matter if it goes bobbly or crinkly or or it doesn't blend right or it doesn't look good, which, which was all of those things. But actually, you know what? It's stuck up on my radiator now, uh, on my boiler rather because I really like the colours in it and it came out better than I thought it did. And it was fun and it symbolises to me, A, inspiration from Doug and Stephanie, which was awesome, but just giving things a go. And, you know, you I'm not going to be an artist. I'm not going to go selling my paintings, but I had fun and I enjoyed it. And it's unlocked some creativity in me. Yeah. If you feel like sharing it, I'd love to see it. But if you don't, that's all good. I might do. I'll think about it. You know me. I'm all over the social media. Of course, I'll have to share it. <laughs> okay, so I will. we talk I'll about the it. upcoming webinar on the 26th of March? Yes, really important topic. And actually, I was discussing this with somebody at the publishing company. And I thought we'd covered this topic before. And we never have. And it's well overdue. Uh, so next month, it's all about diversity and inclusion. And our question is, is it learning and development's job to push diversity and inclusion in the company culture? What are your thoughts around that topic? Um, I think it's everyone's job. And I think that would, hopefully that will be the outcome of this conversation because certainly it's learning and development's job, you know, to, a, a, a company that is 
ahead of the curve on diversity and inclusion is developed or is is progressive is has evolved so yeah there is a development aspect to this of course but it shouldn't be just lnd's job it should be hr's job it should be uh it should be management's job it should be everyone's it should be it's an issue which should be visible to everyone and promoted and enshrined in everyone's behavior i think so that's my opinion on that but i'm interested to see what uh, our two mm. guest speakers have to say as well yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I'll probably say something similar, but also then within that question is, well, what is L&D's role? Is it to be hands off and it should be everyone's role, including those at the top? Or actually, is there part of it, a strong part of it that's our remit and that we should get more involved with? And what should we push and how should we do it? Is it just a, pic- a case of our pictures in our e-learning content should be universal and include people of all skin colours and people of disabilities and stuff like that? Or, or is it something else that we need to do? So we've got two great speakers. One of our speakers is the always brilliant Souk Pabial from Read Business Information. And Souk has his own podcast, The Three Good Things podcast, uh, which he talks about all sorts of things psychological. And I think he's going to be a great person to speak about this subject. And the other, of course, is Limber Spencer, OBE. And so Limber is from the Centre of Inclusive Leadership. I met Limber for the first time, actually, at the Cake PD conference um, that I went to at the end of last year for TJ. And he was awesome. Just the most lovely, but also funny, insightful, experienced person. Made me think twice about diversity and inclusion. Uh, Not that I'm an expert, but I thought, yeah, I've kind of got it. I know what it is. And he made me think twice about it. I can't believe, like you said, I can't believe we've not covered it before. Um, We've got two brilliant speakers. Yeah, looking forward to it a lot. Okay. Well, John, great talking to you as always. uh, And we'll get back together soon. TJ Podcast is hosted by John Kennard, Joe Cook and Kate Graham. It's produced and edited by me, John Kennard, with additional production by Joe Cook. Title music is by The Leisure All-Stars featuring Yolanda. The sponsorship music is by Audio Nautics and is used under a Creative Commons licence. TJ is a publishing title owned by Dodds Group PLC.